0: Exciting news at This Week Health, starting May 16th, our keynote show is moving to Thursdays. Catch every episode weekly on our This Week Health Conference channel. Don't miss conversations with top health system leaders designed to transform healthcare one connection at a time. Subscribe to This Week Health Conference and stay updated every Thursday. Today on This Week in Health IT.
1: The way I look at it is the the highly successful CIOs are the ones that are doing exactly what it is that they need to do. And whatever they don't need to do, there's either a delegation to their team, there's a delegation to a partner, there's a delegation to the operations team, and it's because there's no time of the day to do things that are extra, right?
0: It's Newsday. My name is Bill Russell. I'm a former CIO for a 16 hospital system and creator of This Week in Health IT, a channel dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. Special thanks to Sirius Healthcare, Health Lyrics, and Worldwide Technology, who are our Newsday show sponsors, for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health IT leaders. Just a quick note before we get to our show, we launched a new podcast, Today in Health IT. We look at one story every weekday morning, and we break it down from a health IT perspective. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts at Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, you name it, we're out there. Uh, you can also go to todayinhealthit.com. And now on to today's show. All right, we're doing a, on the site in Montana. I never thought I'd do a newsday show from Montana. This is pretty exciting. Check w- that one off the w- list. With, with a New York boy, seems like a where where, uh, where are you from? Well, see, we got a little LA, yeah. right? LA, yeah, in Greensboro, North Carolina. Oh, fantastic. What? clearly you're the closest. Is representing He's sorry the, <laughs>
1: yeah. He's All right. so we're
0: we're actually at the Serious Healthcare to Healthcare event and I have part of the Serious Brain Trust here. I don't want to say the Serious Brain Trust because we've had some really smart people on from yeah. from Serious this is the fun crew, though, so I wanted to <laughs> wanted to have a conversation with you guys. Actually, why don't we just go down the line, introduce yourself and what your role is at Sirius.
2: Yeah. So, Doug McMillan, um, fairly new to Sirius. I've been here now for one month, but coming as a former CISO and CTO, and right now, Director of Healthcare.
0: CISO, CTO from? From Cone Health. From Cone Health. Yes, sir. Thus the accent.
2: Yes, sir. So yeah. Deep Southern accent.
3: Fantastic. <laughs> Chris a Field CTO here at Sirius, been here about 20 years. And I uh, spend all my time on the road uh, chatting with uh, CIOs, CTOs, CISOs. Inside and outside of healthcare. Inside and outside of healthcare. Almost a vertical agnostic. But I'd probably say 30, 33% of my time in healthcare. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And you?
1: Eli Tarlow and just... <laughs> Quick note, why does it get a laugh? (laughs) You've been on the show before, so people don't remember. I was on the show with Doug, actually. We did a show, we did one together. Yeah, I know, you remember, I'm that memorable. But so I feel like if you're using accents, I'm from New York. (laughs) And so I've been with Sirius now for a little bit under two years. And before that, I was a healthcare CIO for. Several hospitals in New York in the New York area, Bellevue Hospital, Brookdale Hospital, Metropolitan Hospital, I'm part of a couple of the other leadership teams there. So.
0: The healthcare to healthcare event, we just finished a cybersecurity mm-hmm. session, which as a CIO I always got angst every time I sat and I've I've sat through some interesting ones, like NSA people like telling me what's going on. I'm like, I went home crying and my wife's like, What's wrong? Let me put my arm around you I'm like Cause it's a, it's a scary world out there and these CIOs are dealing with some some serious stuff. What's your takeaway from like some of the things we've been hearing about cybersecurity today?
2: Yeah, so I'll start. I mean, obviously from healthcare ransomware, it's always the top of the list. And I always like to go backwards of the chain as well. So I was at Cone Health, phishing was always that entry point. So you, you, you're you obviously trying to make sure that you're, you have your defensive depth strategies kind of in place to be able to handle and remediate the ransomware but you also want to go back up of how, how did it initially come into the environment which is again phishing uh, so we really you know have to take that broad look and make sure that you have really governed process for recovery and, and, and that's the one that we i, I don't think everyone's prepared for because it could go all the way down into just communication how do you communicate with your patients the community i mean brand image it there's so much to it nowadays
0: are we testing that from end to end. I know we do tabletops and those kind of things, but I I heard of one organization, they had everybody at the tabletop. I mean, it was marketing was there and operations was there. I mean, you name it, they were all there sort of going through it. And I think that's a new phenomenon really, Mm -hmm. unfortunately in healthcare. Are are we seeing that go on?
2: Yeah, so uh, I think we are, and, and from what I've been with Sirius, they're definitely pushing that because, again, is it really is a whole team. It takes the whole team to really respond to an event like that. The last type of talk that we did at Cone Health, what we had done is we had everybody at the table but kind of try to still split it because you want to know that you have a technical response. So we've we run through the same event but really focused with the technical responders and then brought in the leadership, marketing, things like that, and did the exact same response, to try to not get bogged down into the technicalities of how are you responding more of, well, internally, how are we continuing with operations communicating?
0: One of the things I want to talk to you about is obviously other industries. Mm -hmm. Healthcare has been specifically targeted over the last, I think it feels like a year now Mm -hmm. that it's been targeted. And what I'm hearing, I'm hearing a lot of, yes, we need to, they're coming in very basic ways. They're coming Mm -hmm. in through email still. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they'll start to come in through more sophisticated ways, but as long as they can get in the front door, there's no reason to to, to climb through the window. So that that's one of the things. But what I'm hearing now is you know, a lot of conversation around being able to rebuild very quickly. It's sort of, sort of a different approach of saying, look, can you rebuild your entire environment in an automated fashion? I mean, is, are we seeing that in other industries?
3: Yeah, we are. And it's interesting today we talked about it in one of the hot topics talking to CIOs and CISOs is you ask them how many copies or how many immutable copies. And sometimes you ask that question, you kind of get a blank stare back. And I uh, say, well, we have a, a copy. And, and, and when you then ask about regularity of immutable copies, and then, then the next step is where are you keeping them? And by the way, what's your key management strategy, right? You don't rattle all that off at once, but if I'm kind of condensing it, and all of a sudden the jaw is dropping a right. little bit. And if you go, let's say, to the, to the finance vertical... I'd say no one has it perfect, but they definitely have it relatively locked down. And I think it's just a challenge with all of the things that healthcare demands. And when you put the list of priorities up and the budget, you kind of smash those two pivot tables, you know, you make a pivot table out of that. It's a, t- it's a tough equation, right? So, but but now it has to be prioritized.
0: So you use the immutable yeah, and we didn't even know what immutable was until blockchain came out. We're like immutable record. Oh, that's <laughs> what an immutable record. That's not true. Right. But, right. but 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 along the lines it is that same aspect of it's an unbroken chain. This is a a yep. good backup. But how do we know it's a good backup? One of the stats we heard today is that they're in your network and sort of hanging out for what was it eighty days? I before? can't remember yeah. the exact number, but it was it was. Fairly. And it's pretty much a
3: quarter, and that's just an estimate. I don't Even with all of the great data that some of the ISVs have that do this XDR work, do forensics, I think they're still trying to figure out what that is. But let's just say it is 90 days. There is going to be an increased cost on how often you're taking those copies, so at least your rollback point, you can be sure that if, you're, if you get back to where you need to for a checkpoint and you may have to go back a little further, you've got the appropriate granularity for the enterprise, right?
0: So one of the things I I tell people is, you actually get smarter when you leave the CIO role and you start doing consulting. And one of the reasons you do, and I'm I'm serious about that, because you talk to a lot of different health systems. What do you know today that would maybe have informed the way you approach cybersecurity if you were still CIO?
1: Excellent uh, question. Something actually I think about all the time. I I have the advantage of speaking to CIOs, dozens, hundreds of CIOs across the country, and it's it's eye-opening. Number one is, how, where people are in their journey, right? So it's just amazing that we're not all, when, I'm, when I was a CIO, I was assuming, okay, so I'm kind of running with the pack, or within the boundaries. And it's just, it, it it doesn't ever cease to amaze me about the spectrum of where people are in protecting them. So that's number one, which I never realized. Number two is that there's a lot of, a lot of learning that could be had just by opening up and joining in, in the discussions. and sometimes you stay local, right? So, okay, so I'm going to talk to my C- the CIOs that are in New York or, or I'll meet up at a Chime or a HEMS event. But there's so much you know sharing going on that it's almost like if people are not reaching out and they're not part of groups that are having these discussions through partners or through other CIOs, it's a shame because they're really missing out on, and I wouldn't call it the free help, but it's one of those things where everybody wants to see everybody else be successful. So it's something I didn't realize. Another thing also is that Organizations and maturity and culture really are very different in how they approach security. We had, um, we're working with a hospital where we were talking to the CIO and the CTO and some others and talking about how to really fortify and protect everything. And then we had a conversation with the CIO and he said, I'm sure my team's doing a great job. Here's what I want from you. I want you to tell me how quickly, when we get breached, can we get back? And I'm like, well, we're working with the team and we're fortifying it. It's like, okay, when we get breached, how long will it take? So I want you to get me, I want to, what's my supply chain for extra desktops? Can we get staff on? So I wish I had known, and, and when I was a CIO, and even though it's only been two years, security was hot, but it's obviously not as hot as it is right now. I wish I had known how easy it is to get help.
0: I'm glad to facilitate some of these conversations. So we did the, the webinar with Skylakes and Asante, and we, we went through that in detail. I mean, this is what the first hour looked like, this is what the second hour looked like, this is what it took once they disconnected, because Asante was the host mm-hmm. for the EHR, and they couldn't reconnect until they met certain criteria. T- until they got back on there, I love the fact that we're we're starting to sh- share some of that, yeah. some of that knowledge. I don't want to spend the whole time on cybersecurity, although it is one of the top of mind conversations. I do want to talk about cloud because you're here, and I want you guys to add some color to this. And at some point, I want to talk about automation and the labor shortages that are hitting healthcare. So let's start with cloud. Yeah, you guys did some really fascinating things at Cone Health. In fact, it's a really cutting edge. It's really ahead of the curve. Share some of, of the things that you guys were doing with regard to the cloud, and then we'll, yeah. we'll jump from there.
2: Yeah, so about three years ago, I think late 2018, Cone Health was looking at a pretty much a complete overhaul to the infrastructure for Epic, and we had been on-prem hosted. So you had some number in front of you to replace, like, a ton of end-of-life Multi-multi-million. Uh, so uh, it was the Citrix, the CPUs were outdated, it was going to be the SAN storage, it was going to be the, the same host for the web service tier for Epic as well, so it was really everything. We did have a new CIO, it, I think it had only been there maybe four to six months, and he was not cloud adverse, so he was saying just, well, let's take a holistic approach to it, step back and look at everything. Uh, so we really did look at co-locations, a third-party vendor hosted, and Epic hosted, and then really started looking at the public cloud and obviously we led towards Azure. We already had a small presence and I'd already done some analysis to say, when you start looking at IaaS, just based off of our Microsoft agreements, I could run it a little cheaper with the Windows license that I already own. So we started looking really heavily at Azure and it the numbers kept looking like it was cheaper to do it ourselves, because we already had the Epic expertise, we already had Epic staff, because we've been live for multiple, multiple years. So we were like, okay, well, we think we can do this in Azure, and obviously we were one of the first ones kind of pressing Epic to kind of move in that direction. Obviously Epic was, host. I would say hesitant, and we had to have a lot of conversations with them, but kind of bringing Microsoft, Epic, ourselves, and and then NetApp was uh, our storage vendor, which was really critical for our blob storage, which we knew we were gonna have to replicate to the cloud as well. Uh, So we brought all of them together and was like, hey, we're we're gonna do this. We're gonna go down a a cloud strategy. We're gonna actually move our epic environments to Azure. Uh, So we spent about a whole year really looking at DR, because obviously that's where you can get the biggest bang for your buck, because you have a lot of infrastructures just sitting there and powered on, but not really being used so we went ahead and moved that it took us about a year and the reason really wasn't because of the technology it was unfortunately we were aix had to convert to linux so there was a lot of complexity but we we did finish that move up and after we did a actual full test we did cut over and run in azure decided nope it's production as well so from 2019 through 2020 obviously covid slowing things down we finished uh, up our migration i think it was in August of 2021, everything now from an EPIC environment is running out of Azure. Not your DR. your DR your- and prod and non-prod. It's everything. All 21 environments that we had. The only one exception, that I would say, is our production. We did go with a hybrid strategy, and it was just out of caution. So the cache server is sitting in the Equinix co-location facility. And then everything else, Citrix, web service tier, is all running out of Azure and then every other Epic environment is all azure Direct.
0: So everybody who's listening to this right now is going, what about latency, what about?
2: Latency is, again, is if you get uh, with your express routes and things like that, and obviously, if you're looking at an Equinix Colo, they have that kind of sit right next door uh, to the Azure data centers. The latency is not the issue, and and I would also say is just the way Epic kind of works, the latency requirement is not from the client to Citrix, it's actually from Citrix to the cache. Right. So as long as you keep that to a minimum, you could have upward of a seventeen millisecond latency between the client to Citrix and the end user. What network. was? Did you have to go with an MPLS to? So no, we we actually did we just call, just internet circuits. No, well not just internet. So it was a dedicated internet circuit that was going direct connection through. SEGRA. Uh, So we use SEGRA, and it was a direct connection going into Equinix, dropped that in, and then obviously Equinix hosted the express route to Azure. Uh, And then where we were transforming and looking at things is what we're trying to do now. Obviously, not not that I'm there, but we were looking at how do we broaden our SD-WAN deployment to say, put your primary SD-WAN inside of that co-location facility and now have different layers of SD-WAN run it to all your major campuses, maybe based off of criticality. So maybe have a 10 gig for your hospitals, a 5 gig for your uh, urgent care facilities, and then a 1 gig maybe
0: for your ambulatory sites. I want to ask you about cloud strategy. Phenomenal work, by the way. Thank you. Uh, yeah,
3: that's the triple undie right there. Yeah, exactly. you, you don't make that ND. one easy. Yeah. Now
0: that is that's pretty amazing. When we, when we talk about cloud strategy, one of the things mm-hmm. I think that I'm hearing is we're going to end up in a, in a hybrid environment. And sometimes when people hear hybrid, they think, oh, we're settling. We're not going full cloud. But the reality is there are there are aspects that work better in and hybrid environment that latency becomes an issue and cost sometimes become an issue. You look at some of the workloads that we have, it doesn't make sense. How do I keep going? You're like the inside the industry and outside the industry kind of person, but we don't throw this architecture word around all that much in healthcare. But if you get the architecture wrong, it would appear to me that you could line yourself up for a, a world of hurt. Do do other industries spend a lot of time getting the architecture right before they move? It's interesting. I, we sometimes it's almost become a bad word. You say you ask, hey, do you
3: have an enterprise architecture team? And you ask a CIO or a CTO. Sometimes you get an immensely positive reaction, like, of, of course we've got a you know fantastic one headed up by whoever it may be, and then other ones will say, well, we had that, and we and they usually use some expletives and you know. <laughs> blew that up a couple of years ago because they did great work, put together three ring binders, but then the actual ops people never actually executed on the, on the vision slash strategy. And so I think what's, that I see happening more now, there's maybe a remnant of that team with some people who are appropriately plugged in to the entire DevOps or let's call it platform ops side and who it may not be the shade of its former self, but it's more formidable in the way it works today, than maybe it did five years ago, or even ten years ago. We used to see these huge teams, but I mean, you look at your undertaking that you had at Cone. That is, that is a tough maneuver. I mean, most folks don't have the appetite or the skill to go all the way where you just, you know, you just took that right. So, folks find themselves in the middle, and I think we find ourselves a lot of times just chatting with leadership and director level folks, saying let's just examine and make sure the architecture is extensible for not just what you're trying to do today, but let's make sure we're watching the finances and let's make sure we're watching the right function in the right place. I don't think I can stress that enough. A lot of folks go, well, it's gotta be in the hyperscalers because that's where the cool functions are. And there's a lot of great stuff you can still do with that on-prem equipment that may not be fully capitalized and we see
0: folks optimizing it still, so yeah. So what do you, I mean, when you talk to CIOs about cloud, what are you hearing from them? Are, do you still hear hesitancy? I, I don't think, I think that's gone away a little bit.
1: So, yeah, it's funny you ask because we actually, at Chime last week, a bunch of us actually got together and we were talking about that two years ago or three years ago, cloud was bleeding edge, right? And you were, wow, you are forward thinking and... And I think now, if you ask somebody like, Who, "Who's your cloud provider?" and they don't, and they're not in the cloud, they go, oh, we haven't like they just they, oh, <laughs> they're, like, oh, they're, who's they're that? embarrassed. Yeah, <laughs> and, and or they'll come up with something. We, we just signed the, an agreement with somebody, or we're we're almost there. If, if cloud is not part of your strategy, and like what Doug was saying, it, it could be DR, right? It's a safe mm-hmm. place to start, right? And and you can, you have all the time you need to test it. You can fail back and forth and you can, it's in a, relatively inexpensive because you don't have to go the whole full license, right? So you can do like hybrid cloud and things like that. There's almost no excuse today to not have a part of your crown jewels, your EHR, ERP in the cloud. Your,
0: your DR strategy, has mm-hmm. yeah. that effect?
1: I would say there are obviously those that are either not comfortable yet or for other reasons, financial reasons, they may not have moved as fast as they would like to. But I, I think it's, it's probably a high percentage of CIOs and teams that are well on their way.
0: Here, here's my anecdote story. And I'm going I'm to come back to the agility that you guys were able to, to, to get. My anecdote is I come into healthcare from outside of healthcare, right? 20 years outside of healthcare, I go to my first meeting and there's you know, 12 CIOs sitting around. They say, oh, go ahead and introduce yourself and where, what system are you from? First person goes, I'm blah, 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 and we're an epic shop. next person goes, I'm blah, 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 and I'm a Cerner shop. And I'm like, is this like what college you went to? (laughs) And it was funny because it came around to me. And I'm not trying to disparage anybody, but we were a Meditech shop. So we had 16 hospitals running $6.5 billion on a Meditech system. So I thought, well, I guess it's a, you know. So I go, Bill Russell, St. Joe's Health, uh, Meditech. And you could see people sort of go, (laughs) like, like they're like rolling. I was like, "Come on, man! I went to a respectable school. We're we're serving Southern California. I'm not." Anyway, it was just it was one of those uh, weird moments in healthcare. Talk to me about agility. I mean, what did you learn about agility now that it was in the cloud? Yeah. So,
2: and I I think I mentioned this kind of in our conversations yesterday. So as we were building out our DR, things that we were cognizant of, and I think a lot of organizations went through the same play, is when you get into having to replace core infrastructure, we always felt like we ended up in that matrix and never ending, oh, this has to be at this version, this has to be at this version, and then all of a sudden you found out notebook, go back, the other one has to be at this version, and you just, it was a matrix of here's how you upgrade this environment, which took months and months and months to kind of roll out. But when we actually moved into Azure, and again, we were very cognizant to build things out using, and again, I always say that crawl, walk, run, using just scripts, right? So just automation, not true orchestration, but just automation, right? So we wanted to just automate certain events, make sure that they're working, then you orchestrate those events over top to try to build out an entire environment. So we ended up with our dr environment we built it like a hundred times and in, in just a couple of days just because you could easily spin it up you easily can, move you, it down fix the script build it out again did it work so it gave us the ability to really just burst and th- those were things that cone was not i would say used to at that time now where we didn't take it to which i think is kind of moving into that agility and run which is how do you now take these orchestrations and then time into something like a ServiceNow, a Service Platform, and say, okay,
0: self-service for either a development shop or maybe some. So I can go an into ServiceNow and say, set me up an instance mm-hmm. of Epic, right. uh, get my own EHR. And you get your own, you get your own little instance. <laughs> but you could, little, you could. could, right? You and, and it could have Active Directory. It
2: could have you know system, other systems. I mean, you could do all of this now because you have those building blocks tackled. Again, when you get into the application layer, it gets a little i say you have to build out the app, but again, if you're looking at things like Chef, Puppet, Ansible, you can start to configure the environments even more.
0: So I wanted to talk to you guys, interesting conversation upstairs about cost, cost of cloud. My history has told me that if you have that scenario that you just rattled off, and you're gonna have to replace 50% end of life, 60% end of life, that kind of stuff, you can make the numbers work. But if you're looking at like an incremental thing, you really do have to be thinking about agility, business model, where you're going, and you really have a, have to have a forward-leaning leadership team who's sitting there going, no, no, I see where you're going. I see where you're taking us. We're going to be able to bring on more systems. We're going to be able to do m and We're going to be able to recover from ransomware, those kinds of things.
1: There's also the ROI of cost for, for people, right? So as you move things into the cloud, you're either raising the level of talent for your staff. Right? But, that, but that's a hot
0: topic. I mean, so, so keep going down that path.
1: So it's funny when when say someone says describe you know CIO role in a video it or something. It's in, the first thing that comes to my mind is the I Love Lucy episode with the chocolates, right? <laughs> Just trying to keep up with the pace. And but it's so it's so relevant a to to what we're talking about. But it's really the role of CIO. And the way I look at it is, the the highly successful CIOs are the ones that are doing exactly what it is that they need to do, and whatever they don't need to do, there's either a delegation to. Their team. There's a delegation to a partner. There's a delegation to the operations team that should really be handling something because there's more operations. The highly successful CIOs are the ones that are really doing exactly what it is they need to do, and it's because there's not there's no time of the day to do things that are extra, right? So Chris and I uh, facilitated a conversation about with the CIOs earlier today about shortages in staff, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny. So we asked uh, this group. We said, "Well, how are you dealing with this, right? Post post or I shouldn't say post-covid, but you know, covid brought on this." Where, where people can work remote, and, and now that people can work remote, they have options so they might not be as loyal to their employer and, and work elsewhere. So it was a, quite a long discussion around, around that as a, as a problem. And then towards the end, we said, well, hold on a second. I mean, these are it's definitely good for group therapy, right? But hold on a second, is this a problem or is this what we needed to actually say, we're doing things that we don't need to do, right? So yeah, mm-hmm. so this, I'm now, because, I, because I'm losing people in my team that they have options, hold on a second why am i doing this in house why don't i look at another another option so that i'm not dependent on the people in my team or the people in my team can do other things so it's yeah i mean whatever the staffing issues that we that that we're faced with whether it's cloud whether it's engineering people that are able to work in other areas it's really about the ones that will continue to keep up with the pace of the chocolates coming off the conveyor belt are the ones that are saying okay hold on a second there's no reason I should be managing this, I should be doing this, there's a better option out there.
0: Whenever we talk about this move, people are like, well, I'm not going to factor in the cost of reduction in staff. I get that, I understand that. But we're changing the technology, it's constantly changing. One of the commitments I made to my staff was, as long as you're committed to learning, you will have a job, we will do things to ensure that you have a job, we'll continue your training, we'll pay for some of your training, we'll give you opportunities. But You know, if you're going to say, "Look, I'm a COBOL programmer. I'm always a COBOL programmer." The (laughs) day we get rid of the last COBOL system, I I don't know what sheet cake
3: for you. (laughs) Exactly. I don't
0: know what we're going to do with you. Right. But isn't that where we're at now? It's like I remember we were pushing the team. We're like, "Hey, we're going to start using Azure, and we're going to start doing some of our SQL. We're just going to move our databases out there." And they were all like, "Oh, you're trying to put me out of a job." I'm like, "Just try it. Just, just try it." Mm -hmm. And you just you get you get a couple of them doing it, going, dude, this is this this is the same and some better stuff that we can do up here. And then all of a sudden the, the light bulb goes on. But I feel like we're 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 still pulling it. It's not a yeah, hey, here's some new technology we can do this better and that kind of stuff. What do we have to do to change the culture?
3: Just I'll make a comment, kind of since I'm sitting in the middle. Part of what Doug said about automation and what Eli just mentioned about the conversation we had earlier today about staffing. I, of course, you want to protect your people. You want to up-level your people. But I, I almost sense, maybe it's taboo, a hesitancy from a lot of the CIOs to say, there's going to be 15 points gone right of the people. I mean, I'm not saying you have to use the Jack Walsh approach right. from, from the get-go, but there, there has to be some more honesty, I think, at that executive level. Because if you do automate correctly... Mm-hmm. Right? And, and, you, and you do build the right culture and all the things that we were talking about, there are going to folks who are going to step up. But there are going to be roles you do not need, especially if you choose. You, you look at the managed services discussions that we have. People are don't want to be in the run business for the most part anymore, and that's agnostic to vertical for the most part. Right. Uh, there's some exceptions, but right for the most part. and. There are folks who are and aren't going to make it, and again, not I'm not trying to be harsh, but I feel that as soon as that conversation, people tuck in and go into some HR mode, and there needs to be
0: almost a but, little more honest. But every like IT that. organization I walk into, it's like, how many open positions you got? Wow, we got 50, right. 55 open right. positions. Right. It's like, okay, what what are we talking about? Yeah. I, I tell this story a lot that my team came in once, and they I, I think it was a Google device, not the uh, Alexa, but they put the Google device in front of me. They say, hey, Say this phrase, and I'm like, okay, okay, Google, spin me up, five instances of blah, 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 blah. And they said, all right, now let's pull up the thing. And it sure enough, it fired off instances, <laughs> built them out. It's the same thing with ServiceNow you're talking about. We can orchestrate a significant amount of stuff. And I thought, I, I even asked the team, I was like, how long would that have taken before? Mm, and they're nice. like, a long time. How long would it take to get the PO? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <All right. laughs> Right. Well, and, and, and automation, so we've talked a lot about automation. What are your thoughts on automation as you've listened to? We heard about clinical automation. We've talked about IT automation. we talked about security automation. There's, automation seems to be, I don't know, the, the new AI for the conversation that's going on in healthcare. So
1: so I'll, I'll start. Funny, I think it was Gartner or someone that basically said the role of technology is automation. So this is not really new, right? We're taking something that's a human process, and we're making it so sort of the, the least paid employee is doing the work, which is the computer, right? And that's essentially, instead of having a piece of paper, we have Excel and spreadsheets, et cetera, right? And automation is, I mean, the era of automation that we're dealing with today, it's not new. It's just at a higher level of replacing repetitive human work, predictive work, right, with a machine of some sort. And it's automation that are, that's automating automation at this point, right? So, I mean, the things that we're talking about, and again, it, it depends where the CIOs are on their journey, right? Some people are at the phase of automation where they're just trying to figure okay, how do we automate, you know, turning up and down environments, right? And that's, again, as, we, as the months tick off, those things are becoming more foundational, right? And then you have the CIOs that are looking at automation and saying, okay, hold on a second. How do I use automation and change the environment of my hospital so that we reduce, readmission rate, so we reduce waste in the OR in time. But essentially what it is, it's really about saying, okay, what are we doing repetitive, where it's predictive, where it's safe, and we can now take it from the human being and have it done by a machine.
0: And there's a lot of repetitive things in the hospital and in an acute care yeah. setting. Yeah. I, I,
3: Eli, I mean, brings up another great point. We, I'm going to veer off on a Montana road here for a
0: moment. <laughs>
3: you, every... Everything's relative with respect to Those automation. Those roads
0: go on for a long time. They go time. for a long
3: time. This is a three-hour, this is like yeah, Lord of the Rings, so we're fine. This is way to get the extended version. That Everything's relative to automation. So you look at IT or you talk to a CIO and the things you just brought up, right? Or you're spinning up instances or we're going to take out manual process. That's relative to IT who already has a pretty good core understanding of what automation should be, even though it's not maximized. Let's turn our attention to finance. Let's turn our attention right to the procurement pipeline, for example, and when I have those conversations I'll say, hey, do you have any challenges with, let's say, month-end, quarter-end close? And they're like, well, yeah, I mean, of course, and you dig in a little, and there's 15 people still pivot-tabling their life away, and they're like, I'm like, well, have you had a conversation? They're like, "Ah, I mean, that's in the CFO's area, and it's a difficult conversation to have because that would touch those 15 people goes back to what we were just talking about. You've got to go have that difficult conversation. There's an enormous amount of manual effort outside of IT. IT looks like rock stars compared to possibly what's going on in other parts of the business. And you find that that's the the pivot, and that's where it can make the bigger impact almost. Not not to take anything away with automation in IT, but automation at the line of business or back office is huge.
0: So you're telling CIOs that they should go out and look for more work by. Yeah,
3: yeah. Go dig in. They got tons of time.
0: But it, it's so true. I was talking to a health system about a month ago and I was talking to different parts of the organization that went to finance and I said, you know, what's, what's your biggest pain point? It's like, well, it takes us about 30 days to do a month clo- end yeah. close. And I'm like, what do you do <laughs> in February?
1: You the next right,
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. You can never get out the door if you take a half step to the doorway every time, right? The old math problem. And that's, they can't catch up. Yeah. They can't catch amazing.
2: up. But what jumped out at you? So, as we were sitting here thinking, I think one of the things, as I had conversations at Cone Health, but you know, obviously RPA, hot topic, that's the, the buzzword everybody's throwing out. It To me, is it has to be a culture, of it has to be ingrained in that DNA that we're paying people to do productive work, mm-hmm. so the less productive things that they're doing, you really want to get off their plate. And then, obviously, the other thing from an IT perspective, I, I think the businesses, obviously, are asking us to do more. With less, so obviously there's no way of really accomplishing that unless automation is there to kind of back it up. And then, and as I say, do more with less. Obviously, that's leading into the big, from a healthcare perspective, the big digital boom, the consumer, i say consumerism of healthcare versus just hey, you come in, you're a patient. Okay, well, what, what about well-being? Those are the big topics
0: that I think you, without that technology, you're, you're not going to be able to make it. All right. Here's the out question because we're, we're I'm sitting between you and and dinner, and I'm sure you it's can be. almost see Frodo going up the mountain at this point, right? Frodo's yeah. good. I thought yeah. it was like the first of the four endings, That's right? right. So That's right. This is my first of the four closed questions <laughs> for non IT people that are, are watching this, non healthcare IT, the healthcare practitioners, the, the people in the field, maybe finance, whatever. What's the What's the thing that you would tell them that we could do for them? What's the thing that you know, one of my roles as CIO was always to let them know, hey, do you know what's possible? What's possible maybe that a, somebody within an acute care setting or an ambulatory setting might not know is possible?
2: So I, I'll start off. So my sister, it was funny, she worked at Cone Health with me. She's a director of business and finance uh, for nursing. So uh, me and her shared a lot of conversations. And I always prompted her to say, make sure you're you know, having that conversation with you know that person who's your kind of business relationship manager in IT to make sure they understand your use cases because they may not. I would say I felt like there was always a little bit of a disconnect. They felt like we knew everything that's going on in their area, but we didn't. It was like we know once you tell us and we're having that conversation. And from a finance perspective with my sister, she'd say, well, I'm pulling data from all these various sources and trying to do it. I was like, we can do that for you. We can automate pulling all that data together and have a report. And again, all it takes is that conversation.
3: Yeah.
1: I'll say if a clinician, a finance person, if they say what's possible, everything. Mm -hmm. That's what I would just say. And if -hmm. if it's not possible, then let's, let's create that. Because all of the things that we're doing today is because it bothered somebody enough to say, I mean, Uber, whatever. Every, we have pizzas delivered at three in the morning. If we can have a pair of glasses and a in cup. In
0: New York. Do you have pizzas <laughs> yeah. delivered at three yeah. in the morning
1: where you're at yeah. no, no, was, It, it not, ended not, here I'm at
3: 3 p.m. It's a difference. Yeah. a 12-hour skew here in Montana.
1: But I, th- I if, if, if there's something that, if a clinician, a back office, whatever that is, if, this, if they have that question, then that means that there's already, they're already on their way to figuring it out. That means there's enough of a will that someone said, I just can't deal with this anymore. Mm. So make it happen or find someone who can do it. But I, I think we're living in a great time where just about everything's possible. Yeah.
3: yeah, I agree. And just thinking about what you just said, Doug, it's the proverbial olive branch. You want the clinic, if you're a clinician, you, you, you want to extend at least halfway. You don't, I get it, you don't have the time, just the bandwidth to reach all the way across the aisle. Right. So then I'd flip your question, Bill, on the other side, which is IT's got to reach more across the aisle and kind of meet there at least at the, at the middle. And I think... An event like like this that we just are, are at when finishing up tomorrow, you see that happening. You've got clinicians in the room. You've got IT leaders. Some are a combination or a fusion of both. But the, that bridge is being formed, and the aha moments and the discussions that we're having are unbelievable, right, Agreed. over the last couple of days. So I just wish we could almost encapsulate that and show that to clinicians who would say, well, t- how would that work? But trust me, if you can... so for the clinicians ask to be invited to a meeting and on the IT side invite someone who's maybe said I don't have the time go talk to their boss make the time ingratiate them and it's amazing what will happen out of those conversations
0: Yeah, the CIOs who have gone in and watched the operating room Mm -hmm. they walk out and go oh my gosh I saw like 10 things that we could potentially automate and and just start the conversation gentlemen Thank you very much. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. What a great discussion. If you know of someone that might benefit from our channel from these kinds of discussions, please forward them a note. Perhaps your team, your staff. I know if I were a CIO today, I would have every one of my team members listening to this show. It's it's conference-level value every week. They can subscribe on our website, thisweekhealth.com, or they can go wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple, Google, Overcast which is what I use, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it, we're out there, they can find us. Go ahead, subscribe today, send a note to someone and have them subscribe as well. We want to thank our channel sponsors who are investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health IT leaders. Those are VMware, Hillrom, Starbridge Advisors, Aruba and McAfee. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.